Izzy, start us off. You've got your supplies. What are you doing? I'm going to be setting up the easel and attempting to have an artistic recreation of the face of the mystery man, which I was able to focus on for quite a long time in the stopped time. Are you doing this in the middle of Merle's shop? Oh, yeah. Merle's going to look over your shoulder, give you painting tips that you don't need. And I'd like you to roll to act under pressure. Certainly, certainly, certainly. Let's see. A four and a two is a six, plus my cool of one for a seven. Lucky for you, your attempt to paint something doesn't cause some calamity to happen. But instead, you have a picture of a guy. I turn the easel back around towards the uh, two companions in this endeavor. As the easel turns around, Father O'Malley, Trevor Epps, you are shocked to see the face of no one you know. Who's the picture of, dude? Why, this happens to be the actual face of the person that tried to make away with our lives earlier this evening. No, that can't be him. I'd remember that face. Wouldn't I? Shouldn't I? Yes, the magical effect that he has was a bit overprotective, in my opinion. Frankly, I have no idea who this could be, and yet I know who it is. Because I don't. It's a nobody. Um... Well, to be more specific, he is probably a somebody. But this somebody is a nobody. So he could be anybody? Or at least somebody. I'm pretty sure he isn't me. Well, I've been somebody else by accident before, I think. But I don't think it's me this time. You sure it wasn't somebody else being you by accident? Somebody once was him intentionally. Which is even more frightening. Why would you want to choose to be him? Precisely. Well, moreover, I have seen his face, and more to the point, I have a way of tracking down his exact location, assuming he hasn't taken the little thorn out of the side of his... Well, it was a deer when I threw it at him, so I suppose it could be in the back of a coat, or perhaps nipping his bud as we speak. I don't know about you, but, like, whenever I get a thorn, I get rid of it, because thorns hurt. Oh, very astute of you, but where would you get rid of your thorn if you were in a hurry to run away from something very dangerous? Um, I don't know, he's a deer. So, like, he would have reached back with his mouth and been like, nah, 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 with his teeth, and then like, blah, 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 and spit back out, and then he kept running, or maybe he reached with his little horns or antlers, or, you know, whatever you call those things, and you get a little scratch. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to cast aspersion. I'm not trying to put doubt in your mind. I just, um, and... I'm putting doubt in your mind. Well, more likely than not, he would be reverting out of his deer-like form and then be brushing all of the brush that he brushed against in his escape through the brush. So if he happens to brush off the thorn, we'll find it there, which won't be too far from where he ran. But for now, I'm more interested in who this person is because identity is important to him. And so I want to take that away from him. And to that effect, I do have a little experiment that I could run with each of you, as you both have prior experience with this person. You know, if you guys are going to be doing this here, you might want to, you know, take it to the back room. Got customers coming in and kind of can't shop around y'all. 
Oh, well, far be it from me to distract you from a busy afternoon's work. Gentlemen, let's take our business to his back room. As soon as you step out of the main area, um, three customers come in one after the other. Lucky for you, the back room is unoccupied. So I go to town, and I whip up two cots. I get a chair to be right between them, and from my suitcase I have pulled a couple of items. There are uh, a couple clothespins. I have uh, some incense sticks, not yet burned, and a little basin to have them be burning in. And I have a large covered platter, like one would be, uh, like a like a waiter or waitress would be delivering at a uh, fancy restaurant with the uh, reflective uh, shiny metal surface, uh, but covered. And the lid actually extends, and there are little bolts turned into it, making the plate underneath actually very thick to support the bolting. Well, I suppose this will be as good a time as any. Assuming you're both willing to participate in this. What exactly is this? Schools of divination magic of which our foe does not have mastery of. That still explains nothing. Speak dum-dum. Very well. Uh, you, Trevor, you have a history with substances. I have been able to look at your person and just be able to smell it upon you. You would be most susceptible to this uh, rather ancient form of tyromancy. Effectively, you will be entering a dreamlike state in which you will be able to focus and, some would say hallucinate, a way to a proper truth that we can all seek. And I you, Father... I will use upon you a form of oniromancy. Effectively, a form of dream magic, in which the lucidity of your dream is kind of at your control, but mostly mine. Don't worry, I'll be gentle. This won't result in all of us being members of the A-team again, will it? I have no idea what you're talking about. So, maybe. Well, Ebbs, what do you say? I have fallen asleep on the table. I slap him awake. Too early. You're not supposed to sleep yet. He's supposed to sleep. You'll know what to do when it hits you. Oh, man. And uh, I take two of the clothespins and I hand one to O'Malley and I plug my nose with the other one. And before waiting to see if he's gotten it uh, on his nose, I begin unscrewing the platter. Now, Trevor... Playing along, by the way. Now, Trevor, this is very important. I want you to think about every encounter you've had with your man of mystery. Perhaps try to think a little bit at the visage I was able to show you in the drawing. And I want you to close your eyes and focus really hard upon this person. Are you doing it? Yeah, man. Good. Keep thinking on this. Keep focusing. Who is this person? Think of the questions you need answered about this person. Who is he? Where is he? What is he capable of? And during this time, I've gotten closer to him with all of the bolts... Uh, removed, but the platter's still affixed. Can you see him? Do you see him? Yeah, man. He's, like, standing right there. In the street. With his big baddies. And can you see his face? Do you know him? No, man. Look again. Open your eyes. And when you open your eyes, you are indeed on a street. 
a dusty street. Tumbleweeds roll by and the sun beats down upon you. There are people walking, dressed in archaic clothing. A stagecoach passes by. Um, can I move? I, I don't know. Can you? And I step forward. You step forward. Ooh. Um, I can I find a, a window to look in to see what I look like? Yes. There is a window nearby and you angle yourself to get the best possible reflection. And you are wearing a yellow plaid shirt and a bright red bandana with an enormous 10-gallon white hat. Well, I'll be tootin'. Um, well, I guess I look around to see if the, uh, the man is here. You don't see him, but there are many passers-by who are noticing you as they go. Perhaps one of them might have an answer. I mean, that sounds like a reasonable thing to do. So, I stop the nearest person as they walk by. Hey! How you doing? Hey, what can we do for you? My name's Ebbs, and I'm looking for somebody. What are you looking for? I don't know. But he's got a face like this. I scrunch my face. And he's got a hair. This color. Brownish, I think. Blonde? Um, do you have his name? No. You're looking for the man with no name? And everybody on the street stops and gasps and looks in your direction. So you know the man with no face and no name? We don't talk about him around these parts. Do we whisper about him around these parts? Roll to manipulate someone around these parts. Actually, this would probably be more of an investigative mystery. Well, good. Because a three and a three is a six. And my investigative mystery is a two for an eight. Well, that gives you one question. One question. Um, I guess it's I want to know where he is. Where did it go? Well, sometimes he's seen hanging around the, the graveyard. Said he digs people up in the night. We don't know why. But we just try to stay out of his way. Did, has he hurt you before? He's the most dangerous man alive. Oh. Then you hear the doodle-doo, wah-wah-wah, and everybody scatters and runs for cover. I turn and look in the direction that he pointed where the graveyard would have been. You hear a crunch and the clink of spurs, then a crunch and the clink of spurs. And standing down there is a backlit by the sun is a tall, dark man with a long black coat and a shotgun under his arm. Hey, man. And I wave. My name's Trevor Ebbs. And I'm looking for someone. Do you know where I could find him? And I start walking towards this shrouded man. Father O'Malley. Yes, my son. Having drifted gently to sleep. Before that. Yes. Uh, as these effects would have been right after each other, and it would be a good time to cut back to the back room. Yep. Uh, In the back room, dot, dot, dot. Uh, Trevor has fallen asleep after being within such close contact to the 
horribly smelling, decrepit piece of cheese that was sealed away. The order instantly knocking him out. And I immediately move to reseal it. Start burning that incense, if you don't mind, and don't take this clothesman out for at least five more minutes. What? I would like to say that this is the most preposterous situation I've ever found myself in, but I can't. Where did you get that cheese? That's a question I would like to know. Or at least to the person that I got it from. I believe this cheese is about, uh, fourth century. Something like that. So what now? Well, now comes the easy part. Have a seat in the other cart. I'm going to get more incense. I think this thing's going to take a bit longer. And as Father Malley gets himself uh, situated on the bed, I am uh, doubling the amount of incense and clearing the odor from the air at uh, double the efficiency. It just takes a moment or two to properly prepare the room for your next step of the ritual. Now, Trevor needed a bit more of a guiding hand, but... Removing the clothespin from my nose... With this technique, I'm going to need to have you be more the active participant. After all, once you'll be in the dream, it'll be what you have told me and my ability to administrate the dream onto you. Therefore, what is it that you want to see? I believe what we're trying to find is the identity of the faceless man and a convenient way to locate him. Now, for this to work, if you're finding someone... You'll need to have the memories of the previous times you have encountered them. Just one would suffice, but please don't feel imposed to stop at one. I have several, including last night and obviously the the encounter where uh, he attempted to do in myself and my compatriots, but I will hold those memories tight. Don't forget to clench your butt cheeks. Already done. Now, next would be whether you have the personal effects of the person in question, but I've kind of taken care of that for you, as one of my effects is with them. All right, I believe that should be enough to begin. Now lay back on the bed. And I lay back. And you awaken in a dusty, reddish, sun-beaten street. You squint at the sudden shift in light as the sun burns your eyes. Across the way, townsfolk scatter, and a man who's hard to make out takes several steps towards you. Your, his spurred boots crunching and clinking in the sand. Then he calls out to you. Hey man, I'm Trevor Ebbs. I'm looking for someone. Yes, Ebbs. I know. I'm also looking for him. Oh, hey, dude. Nice shotgun. The Lord provides. There, In fact, there is holy iconography carved into the handle and the stock. It's at this moment that the blazing sun overhead actually begins to grow and divide into two identical discs. Not unlike a pair of circular lenses. 
looking down from above. Well, my son, shall we begin? So, like, I asked somebody in town if they knew who the dude was, and they were like, yeah, he's got no name. And everybody was like, and I was like, oh, so, like, they told me where I could find him. And supposedly it's near this graveyard, sometimes, at night. But, you know, not all the time. So, um, that's my starting point. Well, let's head to the cemetery. And away we go! You arrive at the weathered, beaten cemetery. There are many gravestones. Some of which have names carved into them. Many don't. Currently, the graveyard is empty. Well, it is also currently daytime. All right, Trevor. I want you to listen carefully. As far as I can tell from the interaction that we had with Izzy before we began this, all of this is a very lucid dream. So, if you and I concentrate, I believe we can simply make it nighttime. Are you ready to try? Yes! Okay, and then I will focus on it being nighttime. And I focus on it being dark. And not light. You focus and you concentrate and... Trevor, your head starts to hurt a little bit. But nothing happens. I, I stop making the blood rushy face then. Ha. Ha. Um. Oh, this is going to slowly... Maybe a gravekeeper. Someone for them to interact with. They're good with that. And as his words fade, you hear a shovel crunching into dirt behind you. Hello? Who's there? Well, my name is Sam, and I'm the Grave Digger. I see. Well, Sam, my name is Father O'Malley, and this gentleman uh, with me is named Ebbs. We've come into town looking for a man with... No face and no name. We're told that he sometimes... Oh, boy. ...frequents this cemetery in the evening. I'd be careful of that one. He's done some dark things. Well, we're aware. We've, uh... We've seen them firsthand. That's why we've come to deal with him. Well, if you're really looking for him, please just... Hide behind this juniper bush, and I'm sure he will be along shortly. But I would be careful. He gets mighty angry when he gets interrupted. Thank you for your advice. Then I will step behind the juniper bush. You go on now, hide too. He's a canny one. He won't be wandering on by if he knows you're all looking for him. Well, no, he's not moving. Maybe put a cactus behind his buttocks or something, get him prodding in the right direction. And a cactus grows up from the ground right into your hindquarters. Who? My hindquarters? Yes. I move! I wasn't very nice, and I kicked the cactus. It kicks you back. Oh, wise cactus, huh? I throw my hat on it. And then I kick it again. Then I get behind the bush. A few minutes later, it's nighttime. And you see the figure approaching. He walks over. 
to one of the unmarked graves and speaks an incantation in Latin. In doing so, the grave at his feet opens up and the body of a native man floats above the ground. Hold it right there, my son. I say, stepping out from behind the juniper bush, cocking the shotgun in my hand. He turns to you, his eyes glaring, glowing a bright, sinister gold. Yes, yes, that's all very frightening, I'm sure, but I'm afraid we've come to solve the mystery of who you are. He looks down at himself. He seems confused. Your identity. We're... We're in a dream, aren't we? Or an alternate dimension. That's a possibility, too. Clever. Unfortunately for you, you've caught me on a bad night. Yes, grave robbing is traditionally considered bad. Now then, your identity. And I motion at him with my shotgun. You think I'm just going to tell you? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And I will him to tell me. Roll to investigate a mystery. Ooh. A six and a two is an eight. And my plus two makes it a ten. And investigate a mystery. Oh, it's not a twelve, though. Boo. Oh. Right? What about oh. you cooler? <laughs> How far away from you are it? Two. Shoot. I know, right? Well, you do have two people who could roll to help out. I could spend a point of luck, too. <laughs> yes, no, I'll... I'll roll to help out. I am pointing a gun at him after all. Oh, a six and a six is a twelve. Woo! That's a pretty good one. It is. I don't suppose uh, help out is an advanced move. Uh, no. Why would I ever choose help out as an advanced move? <laughs> uh, and my cool is a one, so it's a thirteen. So... Trevor Ebbs, add one to your roll. I did it. Now it's an 11. Oh, he's so close. Maybe just a bit of pressure on our dear little mystery man. Once you say a little bit more pressure, popping up from hidden positions surrounding the cemetery are soldiers wearing the uniforms of the Bolivian army. And I am going to attempt to help out. Make your roll. Hmm, 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 hmm. A six and a one is a seven, plus my cool of one is an eight. That brings you to a twelve. Hooray! And since I'm advanced on investigative mystery, and a twelve plus means I can ask you any question I want. What question would you like? What's this dude's name? Jacob Early. I almost guessed John Jacob Smith. But Jacob Early... Very well. So. He glowers at you as you repeat his name. Where did you get that? Tell me now. Okay. Um, this one time, I met this eldritch being, and I went to this other dimension, 
and I went forward in time and backwards in time and over one dimension and back one dimension and this dimension and other dimensions. Then I came back one time and I met everybody and everything. I did everything at once and then I didn't do it at all. And then I came here and now I am. And your name is Jacob Early. While you were counting off this string of events on your fingers, he has taken the opportunity of your monologue to try to escape. I will shoot him. Roll to kick some ass. A four and a three is a seven. Plus my tough of three is a ten. With a ten, you get to choose an additional effect. I force them where I want them. And where is that? Uh, between myself and Trevor. Your shotgun roars and does not spit pellets, but pure bright flame. He stumbles backwards. Scorched. The flesh of his arm is visibly burned. And he recoils from the pain. You know what they say, Ebbs. The Lord never gives us a problem we can't solve with violence. Can I use my no. sword? Oh, no. You gotta jake up pretty early in the morning to get one over on the Ebbs and Flow detective agency. <laughs> now kill him. Okay. And I take out my whippy sword from the ether, and I strike at him. Roll to kick some ass. Cool, man. Well, a three to three is a six. And I don't use tough anymore. I use weird. And that's a plus one. And that makes it a seven. So I do three damage. You lash out with your blade and strike him deep in the gut. Red blood pours from the wound. And he falls to a knee. He speaks some curses under his breath, reflexively. Everyone here take one harm, defeating armor. Uno harmo. You might think you've won here, but my body is holding them together. If you kill me now, they will be set loose. Who's they? He coughs up some blood. Oh, there's more than one way to keep someone from being a problem. And the ground beneath all of them. The still loosened dirt of the graves begins to stir. And little bony, sometimes fleshy fingertips emerge. And crawl and scratch and make their way over to Jacob Early. And hold him in place. Roll to use magic. A five and a four is a total of nine, plus my weird of two brings us to an eleven. And what effect are you choosing? Trap a specific person, minion, or monster. And he is held fast. Um, what should we do with him? I wonder what happens if we just end the dream. Well, then we wouldn't know where he is. You! Tell us where you are. He spits blood at you. I tickle his feet. The most effective torture. You pull off his boot and begin tickling his feet. His feet are cold. Tell us where you are, dude. Gritchy, gritchy, gritchy. Release me. 
or they will all die. Tell me you're right, it. You are not in a position to make demands. Now, where are you? He coughs. There is pink foam at his lips. He does not look like he is long for this world. I grab him by his lapels, shaking him. You must tell me where you are now, Jacob Early. Do it now. And he coughs one more time and stops breathing. And his body begins to fade away. Hey folks, welcome to the middle of the episode. Episode 40 is here. Woo! And this is just your mid-episode reminder that you can check out the Umbral Theater Presents Expeditions of the Extra Normal everywhere you get your podcasts, whether it's Podbean or Spotify or iHeartRadio, Apple iTunes, you name it, we're there. Uh, we just want to say real quick thank you. We love you for following us for 40 episodes. And don't forget to check us live Thursday nights on Twitch at twitch.tv slash theumbraltheater where we are having our campaign of Thirsty Sword Lesbians going live, with the episodes then being uploaded to our YouTube. And now, back to the show. Izzy. Izzy, Izzy, Izzy. Don't worry about Izzy. You hear what can only be described by an explosion followed by the crashing sound of a tsunami. Both of your compatriots are still unconscious on the table. Well, metaphorical table. They are indeed lying in cots. As you stand there, startled and confused, the screams begin. Oh, well, this is what we're doing. And I reach into my suitcase and pull out a small little vial of smelling salts. I guess I'm in each hand, and they go up the noses of both of my companions. And with a start, you both awaken. Huh. We work on identity, old boys, but it seems that we've got another problem to deal with back in the main foyer here. Hey. Then let's go, and I hop off the cot and run out into the storefront. The people in the storefront are taking cover. Towards the back of the store, Merle has a shotgun out and is hiding behind the counter. People are running, screaming outside. There's a reddish glow from just a little bit further towards the edge of town. Well, gentlemen, it would appear our work is never done. And I pull my sword out of my gym bag and run out the front door towards the red glow. As you close to with an eyesight of... The lodge you stayed at several months before. You can see that it has been blown to smithereens. No buildings stand within a hundred feet of it. And there is an ocean of blood pouring slowly away. People trying to run from it are grabbed by tendrils and dragged screaming into the viscous matter. I'm going to 
leap forward and attempt to sever whatever tendrils I can that are grabbing at folks so that they can hopefully get away. Roll to protect someone. All right. I rolled a five and a three, which is an eight. Plus my tough of three is a nine, ten, eleven. You dash forward and slash away at the tendrils, saving a young woman who is about to be devoured. What is your additional effect? My chosen additional effect will be... uh, They're all so good. (laughs) Um, I am going to hold the enemy back. Your flaming sword slows the progress of this tide of blood. In fact, it begins to coagulate and form into some sort of body. It's not really a great word for it, because it's not got arms or legs or a head, but it's some sort of ambulatory mass. It bubbles and roils, and an enormous bird rips from the back of it and soars into the air. It is a translucent seagull, nearly 30 feet wingspan. It lets out a cry that shakes the ground and flies to the west. Well, that was unexpected. Anyone catch the license plate on the transparent bird? Um, does the blood look like it's coming from a central location? Like, still coming from that spot? Or just like it splashed out like a giant ring of blood that exploded away and it's kind of drying up behind it? It was like a giant ring of blood that is now coming together to form some sort of being. It's trying to retain some semblance of cohesiveness, although it does not appear to be in an intelligent manner. It's almost like it instinctually is seeking itself. Oh. And trying to hold something in. That is when there is another burst and another spirit breaks free. It is only vaguely humanoid with gnarled, clawed fingers covered in sparse, patchy fur. It has an enormous, distended jaw with piles of fangs in its mouth. It has great twisted horns, and as it erupts, a cold wind rips through the area. It howls and dives straight towards L.A., Is this more corporeal than the last thing? It's gaining corporeal form as it moves. Well, I hit this one. Cries are like the howls of the wind. Because it has to get past us to go west towards LA. So I use my whippy sword to, like, hopefully stop it in its tracks. Roll to act under pressure. Pressure. I act under pressure. Well, a two and a one is a three. My act under pressure is cool for a one. That makes it a four. You lash out. But just before it strikes, something else bursts forth from the blood. A sleek, sinister creature with black bat-like wings carved into its 
dark hide are archaic alchemical and mathematical symbols organized in circles throughout. It grabs your whip as you lash out and tries to fly away with it. As it begins to tug at Trevor's whip, I'm going to throw myself at it full force with a shoulder tackle. Roll to protect someone. A four and a three is a seven, plus my tough of three is a ten. So with the ten, you get to choose an additional effect. I would like to suffer less harm. You crash into the creature, and right before you make contact, it lets go of the whip and draws a sigil in the air. A ring of concentric circles appears and disperses the energy from your attack. You take one harm defeating armor as your force is turned against you. And this creature flies to the north. Well, I'm beginning to notice a pattern here. And I make ready for what I assume will be the next spirit. I pull from my suitcase a straw doll in the shape of a person. A cast iron blacksmith's hammer. And what seem to be white nails, but are weirdly bone-like. Some kind of carved ivory shape. The next spirit to emerge is a plump, smiling woman wearing a gown of vines with moss for hair and a gentle demeanor. She sighs as she escapes the blood monstrosity and you get a sense of relief from her as she slowly discorporates. As she does, the ground begins to rumble beneath your feet. Plants begin to grow up through cracks in the concrete, tearing apart the asphalt as trees and vines and thorns and flowers emerge all over. And where this town once stood is the deepest heart of a forest. There should still be one more. Um, Izzy, do you have any snake venom? Northern Hemisphere or Southern? Doesn't matter, because snake venom coagulates blood. So maybe we can stop this thing from doing stuff if you can poison it. Or venomize it. Or toxicate it. One of those words. The blood creature seems to regain control of itself. You believe that it might be the final spirit itself. Well, in that case, that'll be the one I attempt to banish. I take the straw doll and I strike the ivory nails through it with a hammer. Roll to use magic. A three and a three is a six, plus my weird of two is an eight. I would like to help out! How are you going to be helping out? Well, this one time, I went to a school for magic. And I learned how to do some nifty stuff while I was there. So, like... As I see him doing what he's doing, 
I walk over and put a hand on his shoulder. Because that's supposed to help. <laughs> I'll give it to you. Hooray! Make your roll. Well, a four to five is a nine. In my magic one, it's a ten. Well, you're rolling to help out, not to use magic. I know, but it helps. Oh, wait, no, it's, that's right. Which one's help out? Cool. cool. My cool is also a one, because I'm cool like that. Also makes it a ten. Looks like you're taking a plus one, Izzy. That brings me to nine. And doesn't Father O'Malley have a cool banishing ability? That might help in this situation? It wouldn't really help because it doesn't destroy the creature. It just puts it somewhere else. Hell is somewhere else. (sighs) Touche. (laughs) All right, I'm going to roll the help out. Um... I'm just going to tell you to, to give it your all, just like we did at Hogwarts, our great team. Well, a six and a two is an eight, plus my cool of one is a nine. The ritual is complete. What is your effect? To banish a spirit or curse from the person, object, or place it inhabits. And with that, Whatever entity powering this blood was, is gone. And the mass loses coherency and just becomes a slow-moving river soaking into the cracked ground. So, three to go. Um. Three? Two? Well, I'm sorry. I was counting from uh, this giant seagull. Yeah. Yes. Giant seagull. Yes. Bat creature. Yes. Woman who sank into the earth. Are you forgetting the one that made all of the sigils that uh, reflected energy Uh, back at you? That was the bat creature. Ah, then you're forgetting the one with a lot of teeth that ran right through. No, oh no, I didn't forget that one either. Isn't that one also the bat creature? No. Those are two different creatures. There's four of them total. So they went off together. They seem to have gone off in different directions. Oh. Well, the seagull seems bound for the Pacific. Well, gentlemen, I suppose at this moment we should look on the bright side. We still have 95 fewer problems than Jay-Z. The camera cuts to Trevor's house. Inside. We see Og playing shoots and ladders with Max Silver. Everything is going smoothly. Everything is going fine. Until we see the dark, shadowy, tooth-filled, hairy, beast-like monster coming to a rest outside the window, looking in. Well, folks, that's the end of the mystery. Let's do our end of the mystery questions. Who's got the end of the mystery questions ready? I have them right here. Let's go through them. Question number one. Did we conclude the current mystery? Yes. I'd say absolutely yes. We found out who Jacob Early is, what he wanted, and we stopped him. I would would say that that is a yes. Yeah. Next question. Did we save someone from certain death or worse? No. 
Maybe. I mean, I certainly might have died in the event that uh, I didn't have two loyal, uh, friendly people to back me up as a... I was stalling for time with the big bad of Jacob Early. And Father O'Malley did just save a woman from being eaten by a tendril. Sure did. That he did. I would say And how many people died from the circumstances involving you defeating Jacob Early? Uh, that's Look, not a question on that the is end of definitely notes. not the question. The question okay. is did we save anyone? Did okay. we save someone? <laughs> From certain death or worse? <laughs> and the and answer is a yes. who are only at risk because of your actions still count. That's not true. Because then you could just go back and be like, Jacob Burley was born, now all these people's lives are in danger. Period. You're just deflecting and it's okay. I'm good at it. I wouldn't want to take, take credit for this either. I think it's heavily implied by the circumstances that the woman that I saved was one of the people who had been captured by Jacob early. So she probably would have died if we hadn't done anything either. So there you go. Listen. Well, no, no, she did survive. You saved at least one person. Yes. The the scorecard is not anywhere near balanced. No, but as long as you're on the board, that's what matters. Exactly. Okay. Hooray. So next question. Did we learn something new and important about the world? We found out the faceless man's name, as well as that there are demons. Some kind of weird spirit creature things that have burst from his blood corpse. I think he told you what the names of those schools of magic were, too, so we might be able to help narrow that down. Good thing that episode is live. We also learned that taking shortcuts does not always end up with a better result. Yes. I mean, this is pretty cool. This is a lot cooler than having a showdown with a wizard. Yeah, I mean... Look, man, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying it's a thing that we learned. Wizard or multiple kaiju. Take your pick. They're not really kaiju. Oh, they're kaiju. No. I mean, the seagull is probably a kaiju. Maybe. Everything else was just human-sized, as far as I could tell. No, they were all, like, larger than life. But the bird was particularly huge. And who had a numerical value. What? Hooray! We got three! That we did. And then there's the fourth question. Did we learn something new and important about one of the hunters? We did. And here's what it is. Mm Mm-hmm. Izzy was not willing to sell O'Malley and um, and Ebbs down the river for his own personal gain. Which I would not necessarily have believed of him before he refused to do it. Well, you guys do kind of owe me a lot of money for that explosion back at the precinct. Well, with that, we're going to say thank you for listening through... 40 episodes. We are here on that final arc. And, well, when this story finishes, we're going to have another one in its place. Uh, We're not exactly ready to share anything specific yet, but hopefully you'll find it just as enjoyable and just as fun. Uh, Meanwhile, we've got live shows every Thursday on Twitch at twitch.tv slash theumbral theater. 
You can follow us on Twitter at Umbral at Umbral Theater. Yep. Yes, they didn't have room for the, so it's just at Umbral Theater. And we're gonna call that an evening. Bye.